say happy Pentecost Sunday. Happy Pentecost Sunday. 50 days, 50 days after Passover is the festival of Pentecost. Now Pentecost was a festival, it was a feast of harvest. When they would celebrate the gathering of the fruit of the seed that had been planted. I'll say it again. Pentecost was a feast of the harvest. They would celebrate the fruit of the seed that had been planted. For 120 disciples in the upper room, 10 days after the ascension of Jesus, the day of Pentecost meant the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for a harvest of souls. Jesus was the seed planted in the ground. John 12, 24, 25, Jesus says this, Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The seed that was placed in the ground rose up out of the ground on that third day and is buried. Souls are the fruit of the seed, and Pentecost is about the harvest. Pentecost is about the sowing of seed in the hearts of men and women, sons and daughters, young and old, every race and creed, every creed, every tribe and tongue. And that Pentecost Sunday was about the power of the harvest, the power of the Spirit to be witnesses, to produce a harvest, the power to sow seed, the power to gather a great harvest. It was about Pentecostal power. Amen. As a good Pentecostal, one of the very first verses I learned and memorized was Acts chapter 1-8. As a boy, I went to, I remember, I remember going to a Baptist school and loving this verse. And telling all my friends about this verse. And they didn't get this verse. They didn't read this verse very much in the Baptist church they went to. But here it is. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word power in Greek here is dunamai. It's related to dynamis, dynamite. Think about dynamite. Think about power. Think about explosive power. Power that causes something to happen. Power that moves things. Power that shakes things. Power that awakens things. Power that transforms things. It is about this dynamite explosion of of the Holy Spirit to empower the people of God as both the church and the individual. The power of the Spirit of God, the power of Pentecost is to empower the church to do the work of the church and to empower the individual to be witnesses to the work of God through the church into the world to produce a harvest. The power of Pentecost should be seen, felt, and experienced. Anybody up there preaching?
I said it in our prayer time before our service this morning. You can, you can know the power. We can have power run throughout all this building. But unless we connect to the power, the power doesn't do us any good. We can't charge anything. We can't, we can't run any appliance. We can't turn on the lights. Unless, we can have the power all run through the church. But until we connect to it, nothing is on. must be a people who experience the power, not just believe the power, not just give lip service to the power, not just say we believe in the power, but plug into the power and experience it and walk in it and live in it and see things change and transform because of the power we're plugged into. Amen. We are a Pentecostal church and if I'm yelling, you can yell too. Thank you, brother, to empower the church. It's this power we see at work in our passage in Luke this morning. Luke chapter 8, sick, tired, and broke. Anybody sick, tired, and broke? chapter 8 verse 40 through 55 let's read it when Jesus returned the crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him just then a man named Jairus came he was a leader of the synagogue he fell down at Jesus feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had only a daughter about 12 years old and she was dying and while he was going while Jesus was going the crowds were nearly crushing him A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not get healed by any approached from behind and touched the end of his robe, the hem of his garment. Instantly her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him in the presence of all the people. She declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. And daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be saved. And after he came to his house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. And everyone was crying and mourning for her. But he said, stop crying, because she's not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him, because they knew she was dead. And so he took her by the hand and called out, child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he gave orders that she be given something to eat. I want to stop here for a second before we back up. In other passages, in other gospels of this recording, when they laughed, Jesus put them all out of the room. He said, if, you, if you're going to laugh, if you're not going to believe, you can just get out of the room so that I can do what I need to do. You can just leave so that the spirit can happen. You can just walk out so that the spirit can happen. If you're going to laugh at what God wants to do, if you're going to laugh in the face of God, if you're going to disbelieve, if you are not going to be an encourager of life, but you're going to be a mocker of what Jesus wants to do, you can just get out of the room so those of us who need a fresh anointing and a fresh touch and a fresh encounter and a fresh spirit and a fresh life of God can experience what we need. If you're going to laugh at the move, you can leave because God has things to do. Here's the scene of this woman. There's a crowd welcoming Jesus. There's a request from this synagogue leader to heal his daughter. This crowd is growing and growing and growing and presses in on Jesus. But in this crowd is a woman who has been hemorrhaging, bleeding for 12 years. It's likely that this bleeding would have made her unclean. She was exhausted. She was weak. She was tired of going to the doctor. She couldn't afford to go to the doctor anymore. She needed 
Jesus, Jesus was her last hope. Jesus was her only hope. See, when Jesus becomes your last hope, Jesus becomes your only hope. Some of you this morning are like this woman. You are sick and tired and broke. And you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and broke. This is hope. There is hope for you like there was hope for this woman. This woman was willing to get low. This woman was willing to get down on her hands and knees. This woman was willing to crawl. This woman was willing to get low to be healed. She was willing to reach down and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus has healing in the wings of his garment. This woman passed through the crowds. I imagine that it took all of the strength she had. It took all of the faith she had. It took all the determination that she had just to fight her way through the crowd to get to Jesus. Hear me this morning, church. Do what you've got to do to get to Jesus. You may have to crawl. You may have to fight through the crowd. You may have to silence some people. You may have to get low. You may have to take all the strength you've got in you, but don't give up until you have reached the hem of his garment. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't let your weakness and your exhaustion keep you from pressing in to the healer. Just touch the hem of his garment. When she touched the hem of his garment, something happened. Power went out. Who touched you, Jesus said. Power went out. And when they all denied it, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me. Jesus said, I know that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw, she was discomfort. She came trembling and fell down before him in the presence of all the people. She declared the reason she had touched him and how she was healed instantly. And daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus says he felt power go out. This was different than feeling the crowds touching him. It's possible to be in the presence of Jesus and not feel the power of Jesus. It's possible to reach out and not reach out in faith. Power, he says, I felt power. Who touched me? The disciples think that that is an absurd question. Everyone in this room, everyone in this crowd, everyone in the streets is trying to touch you. Everyone in the street is touching you. They're pressing against you. That is an absurd question, Jesus. Everybody is touching you. What do you mean who's touched you? But this woman's touch was different than all the other touches. This woman touched Jesus out of desperation. This woman touched Jesus out of faith. This woman touched Jesus out of brokenness. This woman touched Jesus out of this woman touched Jesus, believing that Jesus was different than everybody else she'd been to. This woman believed that Jesus could do something, that this Jesus could heal her, that this Jesus could save her, that this Jesus could rescue her. And Jesus said, this touch was different because when this woman touched him, power went out from him. Power went out from him. This word power is that word.
It's the same word. It's power, church. It's supernatural power. It's Holy Spirit power. This is power that we don't own. This is power that we don't control. This is power that we can't create. This is power that we can't manipulate. This is power that explodes in creative, resurrecting, restorative energy. This is Holy Spirit power, Holy Ghost power, power that heals and delivers and transforms. It's a power that works when nothing else works. It's this power that came out of Jesus is the same power, the same Holy Spirit power that indwelt and infilled and baptized the 120 disciples in the upper room that Pentecost Sunday. We need that Holy Spirit Pentecostal power that changes chapter 2. Let's talk about this Pentecostal power. You got your Bibles open. You want to follow along. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Power. Fire. Wind. Languages. The Holy Spirit did a work that no man could do. The Holy Spirit filled the house, and immediately they became witnesses. Remember the promise from Jesus. Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. They received this power to witness. They couldn't help it. God, uh, my prayer is that God would fill us so profoundly with the Holy Spirit, but we cannot help but testify of everything we've seen, everything we've heard. God, baptize us so completely that we can't help but spread your and testify of your goodness and your life-changing power to everyone we see. Baptize us in power. Give us power. Make us evangelists. Make us hopeful. God, let us not put our hope in the schemes or in our plans and our schemes and our leaders or our abilities or our might or our strength. But God, let us put our hope in the Holy Spirit's ability to do what we cannot do. He did not go to the upper room. He did not send them to the upper room. To receive a business plan. send them to the upper room to receive a growth model. He did not send them to the upper room to receive a 12-step plan for this and that. He sent them to the upper room to receive power. And it's a power we can't manipulate or control, and so we like says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound, this multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all those who 
were speaking to the Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and, and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And others mocking them, saying they're filled with new wine. Look what you can, what can they hear this morning? The people were there. folks were already there from all over the world. God would God already have brought them there. But if the upper room disciples hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, that whole group of folks would have gone on without ever hearing the message of Jesus. God has placed a harvest in standing up with the eleven, lift his voice and address them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you to give ear to my words. These people are drunk as you suppose since only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord that comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Church, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, this Pentecostal baptism, it wasn't only for that upper room 120. We see over and over in the book of Acts, people encountering the Holy Spirit in power, in speaking in tongues, in miracles, in prophecy. We see it throughout the history of the church, even to today. That Holy Spirit empowerment was not just for that 120, it is for Scripture says, and this gives you a little bit of theology, the last days actually started on this day. This is the beginning of the last days. And if that was the beginning of the last days, how much closer to the end do you believe we are? And if the disciples in that upper room needed that Pentecostal power that sons and daughters would prophesy, how many of you believe today we church. We cannot be lazy. We can't allow ourselves to get too busy. We can't allow ourselves to get too worried. We must be concerned. 
this time that we walk in this encounter. It is time for those who haven't experienced this type of an empowerment to begin to get hungry for this type of an empowerment. To begin to say, God, I don't understand all of it. If they thought they were drunk when they came out of that room, I really don't get it, but I'm willing to do whatever, whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to be whatever you call me to be. I'm willing to have the power poured out through the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm not concerned with how I look or what it does. I'm concerned with my witness and my empowerment because I believe that the last days are here and God, I want to be all you've got me to be. the purpose of Pentecostal power. I want to remind you, church, that Pentecostal power is not about our enjoyment. It's about our employment. Pentecost was about empowerment. Pentecost was the birthing of the church. Pentecost was about removing barriers. Pentecost was about becoming witnesses. What kind of witness are we today? What is the witness of the church today? We cannot be the witness God's called us to be without Pentecostal power flowing within the church, quickening the church, enlivening the church, convicting the church, and setting the church in motion. We cannot be the witness God's called the church to be. They had to come together, these people. Acts 2 again, 1 through 1, says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. power came, the believers were unified in prayer and in the tongue. Pentecost power requires unity, and it creates unity. Pentecost power requires a unity of prayer. The people have to be united together in their singular hunger for they were unified in prayer, verse 44 of chapter 2, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So once they were unified in prayer and promise, they became unified in purpose. A united church, a church united in prayer and purpose gives the Holy Spirit room to work. When the Holy Spirit shows up and transforms our lives and moves us from enemies of God to friends of God, from to children of God, He transforms us and breaks down barriers. We are united by the Spirit with encouragement. The psalmist tells us that when when brothers and sisters walk together in unity, that it's like the oil that goes on the head of Aaron with the high priestly unity. Unity brings anointing. Unity brings anointing. And it brings life, like the dew of the mouth that could bring life. Unity brings life. It brings unity and life. Unity brings your spirit power. Our enemy, Satan, hates unity. You hear that? His favorite scheme to slow the church down is to cause division. His favorite scheme to slow the church down and get them to not operate in the power of Pentecost is to cause division. He wants to divide and conquer. He wants us to begin to see everything through a critical eye. Look for the worst in each person. Believe the worst in each person. 
wants us to allow the work of the of the church to be thwarted in. And the best way to do it is to bring division. And then he starts choosing sides and picking sides. And then we form teams. And then we pick up weapons. And then we kill each other and we kill the church. what's going to do it, then that's what we're going to do. The enemy likes to cause division. He likes to cause vision division. He likes to get our attention away from the unifieds. He wants to get our attention away from the mission of the church. He wants folks to focus on non-essentials, to slow down the essential work of kingdom advancement and gospel proclamation. But that is not how the church is to live. That is not how the church will live. The church will not survive if the church is divided. What brings unity? The gospel brings unity. The gospel is a sword that cuts and divides. But those who are Division isn't a calling out of sin. Division is when you choose your sin over the gospel. Don't blame the one calling out sin for us to be the one causing division. The church is called to be united in the mission. us the spirit of the Father. That's the first way he helps us pray. Second way, he brings us, he brings to us the spirit of the Son. Third way, he helps us pray is he gives us access to God and makes our prayers acceptable to God. Number four, he intercedes for us. Number five, he burdens us. Number six, he guides us in prayer. Number seven, he teaches us how to pray. church in a Pentecostal experience and you've experienced the power of Pentecost. You've experienced times in your life around the altar. You've experienced times of shouting and praying in the spirit. You've experienced those times, but things have, have, have got in the, in the way. And you long back and you look back and you remember those times and you like those times, but for whatever reason, things have gotten in the way and those have ceased. I want to tell you this morning, they don't 
us this morning, a Pentecostal posture. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were together in one place, and suddenly the sound like a violent, rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were staying. And they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Some thought they were drunk. There must have been something to the way they were walking around. Because if I go to a restaurant and I hear someone speak in a different language, my first assumption is that they're drunk. So there was something beside the lang- besides the languages that caused them to think these people were drunk. What's an obvious way to say, yeah, I think they're drunk. They don't say a word. But you can see them and you say, Spirit on all people, sons and daughters will prophesy, young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will be transformed. Hear this this morning, a Pentecostal posture. A Pentecostal posture is a posture of prayer. disciples gathered in that room and they prayed 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 and you know what the prophecy says your sons and daughters will prophesy I'm going to step on toes and make everybody mad so I'm buttoning up my shirt and my jacket prayer together. Our sons and daughters will not know how to pray if they don't hear their parents praying. Amen, Pastor. Our sons and daughters will not know how to worship if they don't see their parents worshiping. Our sons and daughters will not understand the power of Pentecost if they don't experience the power of Pentecost.
church models that you got to be in and out in an hour. And the Spirit never gets invited. Because there's not enough time for Him to walk in. she started praying and she started shouting with that open bottle of oil and oil starts flying and every person that the oil landed on they'd fall out in the spirit for the past 20 years the church has tried to is life change when they walk out the same way they came in. continue in the model of the past 20 years where it's all about getting folks in the door how fast can we get them in the door how fast can we get their money how fast can we get them in leadership how fast can we build our empire if that's still the model of the church the world is going to be just as lost as it is today because the model of the church as business is not a model that brings life transformation
have the same attitude, the same mentality. We have the same politics. We have the same race issues. We have the same gender issues. We have the same divorce issues. We have the same drug issues. We have the same abuse issues. Why? Because the church has not allowed the power of the Pentecostal experience to transform us. I'll preach like this every Sunday. God above all and 
this earth to please God. Don't do anything transcendent in my life. I just want it to be normal. That becomes our prayer. Here's what we're going to do. If you want more of God this Pentecost Sunday, I'm going to invite you as we worship, just come up here and stand and sing and worship and pray. If you want more of God, you may be the only one that walks up here. But I think I think some of you guys are like me. And you're tired of checking in and checking out. you this morning as we sing as we sing don't wait but would you come on